0: make it work. Hey, welcome to RUF. My name is Sammy. I'm the campus minister. It's good to finally be back with you. I was uh, out of commission for about two weeks. First, the stomach virus, then it weakened the old immune system, and then I got the flu. Um, So it's good to be back. Um, We're going through a series this semester on the parables, and we're actually going to Luke 11 tonight to look at what starts with the Lord's Prayer and moves into a parable called The Friend at Midnight. So if you want to read along with me, send your handout. It's from Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he, Jesus, said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend, will go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived in a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let me pray for us, and I want to dive into this text tonight. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you that um, to call you Father is a distinctly Christian privilege. That, Father, it is precisely because you gave us your Son. And Jesus, it is precisely because you gave your life for us and because you gave us your spirit that we can call you our Father. That we have um, been transformed from rebellious, wayward children into the children of God. And Lord, I pray that as we look at uh, the idea of prayer tonight and what you're saying to us and why it's hard in our lives and why maybe life with you and relationship with you and intimacy intimacy with you can be so hard would you meet us in this place would you reveal your heart to us once again maybe for the first time that we would see what it is that you are like and that it would change us and that you would give us your spirit without measure we ask we pray these things in christ's name amen yeah so being sick for two weeks uh my move and it's funny i was telling carol like she was over for dinner three weeks ago and I sort of jokingly said I've never had the flu I kind of would like the flu because I love a good excuse to stay in bed and just binge things (laughs) then it happened so I binge everything right like I watched I was even so desperate for binging I watched The Witcher on Netflix which is like I don't heartily recommend but I still watched every episode of it Um, just I was there in bed binging things and as I was doing it it sort of struck me like not in a guilty way but I started thinking about how how binging things is so easy for me and yet prayer is so hard I stand before you, been a pastor for 14 years, been in ministry for 20 years, count seminary. And I say to you that prayer for me is still really hard. It's not something, it's a, it's a discipline that I find I often lack strength, I often lack effort, I often lack in prayer. And so I was just thinking about why don't we pray? And then, then I started studying this and I think Jesus in this in this text really says something to us about prayer that I don't think we would naturally connect. And part of it, we're going to, we're going to kind of look at is as the story he tells, but it's more than that. The reason we don't pray is not for lack of time. The reason that we don't pray is not because we don't know how necessarily. But here's, I think, what Jesus gives to us when he tells us what prayer is. And I think as we see what prayer is, we'll intuitively, I hope, see that this is why prayer is a struggle for, I think, most of us. Here's the first thing that prayer is that Jesus tells us, that prayer is an act of desperation. Prayer is an act of desperation. It is a desperate act. This whole thing starts with a request from one of the disciples that are watching John and with his disciples who's teaching them to pray and one of the disciples says, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And it's interesting, right? I mean, I think it's a beautiful request. It's not teach us to teach. It's not teach us to do evangelism. It's not teach us to how, how to work for social justice. It's not teach us to gather for more, more people. Those are all really important things. But it's teach us how to pray. Teach us what it looks like to follow you in your intimate prayer life with the Father. Teach us, show us, tell us. And again, Jesus, as we look in the parables, it's so fascinating. He doesn't respond with a method and he doesn't respond with a program. He responds with a bare bones model prayer and a story. That's what He does. The story, let's start there. The story is pretty simple. It's a friend asking a friend at midnight for something very basic, bread, that he doesn't have. Something he can't get or do for himself that he needs. Think about it in our world. It is like the ride to the airport. It's the air mattress we need for a friend. It's maybe we went to this ministry treat one time and realized we didn't have pan, uh, eggs for pancakes and this one star leadership student like went around houses knocking on doors to find eggs right it was a weird thing but it was beautiful because we needed them and we had pancakes in the morning it's the sim- it's a simple thing that he can't this friend in the in the story can't give himself so he knocks at midnight at the door of his friend and i think we're beginning to see why prayer is so hard because if you're like me you don't like to ask for things you don't like to look desperate you don't like to be in a position to ask for something that you need, that you can't give yourself. This made me think about, there was a moment for me where I was working in this counseling group, not as the counselor, but as I was in the group being counseled, and there was this one moment where it was a group of me and and about eight people, and the counselor said, I want you, Sammy, right now to tell the group, ask the group what you need. And let me tell you, like, I clammed up like I've never before, and I was like, no. I'm not going to ask the group what I need right now. I'm not going to tell them what I need. Why? Because I'm a proud human being. I don't like to look desperate. I don't like to be needy. And Jesus, the example is a little bit weird, but follow it for a second. He's saying, even if the friend is asleep and therefore annoyed, still he will help because he is your friend. And Jesus is saying, how much more? the friend of sinners, your heavenly father who neither sleeps nor slumbers and loves you. And he loves when you knock at his door day or night or midnight or 3am or 4am. We don't pray because we don't have time or don't know how. We don't pray because we don't like to be desperate. We don't like to look desperate. I think about, there's a story, always think about this guy I went to high school with Went off to Clemson, was desperate to, to rush and, and be accepted in Sigma Nu. It was like the, kind of the hot fraternity at the time in my day. And there was this moment where he's, he's rushing, and it seems kind of clear that, like, maybe he's not going to get it. And there's this desperate moment where he goes to the brothers, and he says, brothers, I will crawl. He literally said this. He said, I will crawl through a field of dog. I will crawl through it if you just give me a bid to Sigma Nu. And, of course, they rejected him. Why? because you look desperate. You and I hate looking desperate, and yet Jesus says, this is the starting place of prayer, is admitting how needy and desperate and broken you are. What are the things that you really need? Think about it. There are things that you and I can't give ourselves. What are the things that you really need, that you really, really need? Here it is for me, to be more kind, to be more patient, to be more forgiving, to be less proud, to be less full of lust, to be less driven by approval or by success, can I really give those things to myself? Do I really see how desperately I need them and yet I can't get them, I can't do them for myself? Prayer is an act of desperation. Um, One of my favorite stories over the last several years, um, not gonna name names, but a friend of mine had this experience where he's in a hotel and he uh, likes, he prefers to sleep in the buff and so he has this moment, he's at the hotel and he's sort of, he's sleeping in the buff and he wakes up, he sort of stumbles, 2 a.m. in the morning, he sort of stumbles into what he thinks is the bathroom and he kind of walks out There's a light and he looks up and he realizes he's in the hallway of the hotel and his key is, he's, he is in his room and he's locked out. <laughs> so he, tell, he tells a story where he's like, what, what do you do at this point? So what he does is he covers himself and he's like, ran outside, ran behind the bushes and then like tried to like thankfully by God's grace he saw this within the hallway, a towel cart so he like ran and made it to the towel cart and then I I think the story is he goes to the front desk in towel and asks for a new key but I love that image because I think it is an image of what Jesus is saying, he was desperate, right, it is sort of this weird image of what prayer is, is to know your nakedness, to know your sort of weakness, to know your desperateness And to knock on the door of heaven and seek the Father for what you really need that you can't give yourself. Prayer is an act of desperation first, but then Jesus, the second thing it is, is prayer is an act. And this is going to sound weird, but stay with me. Prayer is an act of becoming more human. Think with me for a second. It's an act of becoming more human. And this is where we go back to the Lord's Prayer. It's fascinating. The Lord's Prayer, I've never really looked at it exactly like this. It's a bare-bones thing, right? It's very short, very simple. But what I want you to see is it is profoundly human. Just look at it with me for a second. It starts by remembering that you were created by a Heavenly Father and that your life is not your own because you did not make yourself. Then it moves into the political reality of kingdoms, that to be human is to belong to a kingdom, I mean, think about just—I mean, we see this in this current election season. I don't know if you're following what your party is. I don't really care, but just following this election season, it's a reminder to me that we, we as human beings, have to belong to some kind of kingdom. And Jesus is saying, "What is it? Is, is is the Father's kingdom? Is His kingdom your kingdom? But it is profoundly human to participate in kingdom life. Then it moves, in literally, to bread. We're not talking about lofty spiritual things." We're talking about bread, because it's delicious. Have you ever had the bread at Small Sugar? Just a shout out to Small Sugar. I went for my wife's birthday the other day. It is life changing. But ultimately the image and the point is that we need it. simple things that we need. But I do love that Jesus didn't feed the 5,000 with celery, but with bread. Sorry if you're on keto right now, this is painful. But it's so human, and it's this image that our Father cares about the smallest practical things that we need, like bodily things, our sleep, right, our mental space, our bodies, our pain, like literal pain. He cares. He knows what we need. He cares about what we need. I love Eugene Peterson. I'm using a ton of his stuff for this series, but he says it like this. It's on your handout, I think. He says, we can't become more like Jesus. Because sometimes I don't, I think we over-spiritualize prayer. This is my point. He says, we can't become more like Jesus by becoming less human, less physical, less emotional, less involved with our families, less associated with socially or morally undesirable people. We don't become more spiritual by becoming less human. We don't become more spiritual by becoming less human. Then Jesus, in that prayer, he moves into maybe the most human reality of all, which is sin and forgiveness and temptation. To be human is to be a sinner. To be human means you are hurting and have been hurt and are hurting and are being hurt by the people, the human beings in your life, and they need your forgiveness and you need their forgiveness To be human means that you're going to be tempted to do all kinds of things, things that you know you shouldn't, and you're going to be tempted to do things that you know to not do things that you know that you should. That's part of what it means to be human. This prayer is so profoundly human. Again, we don't not pray because we lack time or know-how. We don't pray because if you're like me, you don't want to come more face-to-face with your own humanity, with your own life, and your own death. So I was thinking about this, uh, Tom Haverford, favorite. I'm a, I, like, I like The Office, I like Parks and Rec, I, I like Parks and Rec more, we can talk about it later. Tom Haverford, Aziz, Aziz's character, one of my just favorite characters when him and, and John Ralphie are together, it's just the most beautiful TV I think ever made. And there's this one scene, because I love the moments in the show. Where Tom breaks character a little bit, and just you see, like, you see a, a, the sadness, his sadness. You see behind the facade of balling and doing snake juice and all of that. And there's this one episode that I love where he's, talking, I can't remember what's happening in his life, but the line that he says, in your handout, he says, he's playing, well, he says this. He says, listen, a lot of stuff in my life isn't going great, so I'd rather play Doodle Jump than think about that. And I'm like, relatable. That's why I like to binge. Right, It's way easier to not think about much less pray about the profoundly human things of pain and anger and sadness and whatever else is going on just today, just in the last two hours of my life. And we do it. Again, Eugene Peterson, this is in your handout. He says this. He says, we, don't become, we do not become less needy, less dependent when we pray. We become more needy. More dependent, which is to say, more human. When we pray, we dive ever more deeply into the very human condition from which sin alienates us and Christ saves us. Prayer is an act of desperation. Prayer is an act of becoming more human. And the last thing I want you to see is that prayer is an act of intimacy. That's a weird word. What does it mean? Intimacy is just closeness. It's no nearness. Nearness. And prayer is a deeply intimate thing. To watch Jesus pray in the Gospels, you see his closeness to the Father and the closeness he feels from the Father. And I think I want you to notice the two images Jesus gives us when we pray, because you and I will never pray. Here's the reality. You and I will never begin to learn how to pray or grow in our prayer life. If we don't deeply believe that these images Jesus gives us are the way God is toward us. And the images we already talked about the first is a friend who loves to help us, who loves when we knock on his door even at midnight. And the last one he gives at the very end is as a father who loves to care for us, who loves to bless us, not to curse us, who loves to overjoy us, not to be selfish or mean. He's painting a picture of us for us Of what his father is like. And he's saying, even if your friend is asleep or annoyed, he will still help you how much more your father who never sleeps or slumbers. And he's saying, think about the fathers that you know. Who of them is so cruel. This is the image he gives. Then when his child asks for a fish, he gives his child a snake. Or if his child asks for an egg, he gives him a scorpion. Things that would hurt him. Things that would bring harm to him. I don't know. Did y'all see this video? Probably not. There's so many videos going around. But there's this one video going around lately that I saw in my sick slumber where it's like a kid and all he wants is a PS4. Have y'all seen this? And it's like, it's his birthday and he's got this box. His parents give him this box. He opens it and it's a PS4 box (laughs) and the kid just goes crazy. and He's like eight years old. He's just like losing his mind. He's so excited. And he opens the box and it's just like 20 books. (laughs) He's just like devastated. Just crying. Like, it's sad to watch because he's not mad. He's not even mad. He's just crushed in spirit. And then his parents are laughing. I and mean, that's kind of mean because you can hear his parents be, like, dying laughing. But then his mom brings a bag, and he opens it up, and it's a PS4, right? Because what? Even the meanest parents, they don't long to hurt their children. And here's the thing is if you know God as your father, then you know that his care for you stretches deeper than you could possibly know. And that his heart toward you is to be kind, not to be cruel. That's why J.I. Hacker, I love the way he says it. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of, God, of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. But here's the deal. If it's our pride that keeps us, being desperate or wanting to be human, then I think it's our fear that keeps us from moving into and trusting this sort of closeness and intimacy with God. Because is it possible, I think the thought in my heart, is it possible that God is a Father who knows me keenly and yet loves me deeply? Is that possible? And I think for a lot of us, and this is true for me, and maybe it's true for, for some of you, that It is our earthly fathers that kind of hurt us sometimes, right? Like a lot of us have had fathers who weren't like this. Maybe they were cruel. Maybe they would give a snake. Maybe they would give a scorpion. Or maybe that they were just kind of, they loved you as best they could, but they were far from perfect. And I think sometimes thinking about God as Father, our Father wounds really hurt us there. I have a counselor, and she'll tell me sometimes, she said, Sammy, she told me this one time, she said, Sammy, I think you love Jesus because he identifies with your pain. But I think you're still suspicious of of the Father. I think you still aren't sure that he could love you like this and care for you like this. Because my dad didn't. And a lot of your dads didn't. And yet I think this is still the image that begins to heal us in that. It's almost like Jesus is saying, even if your earthly fathers have been like that, they didn't open the door. They were cruel to you. That means they were so unlike your heavenly father. And I think this idea, though, of closeness is hard. Why? Because I think the intimacy that you and I crave, you've heard me say it before. I think the intimacy that you and I crave is simply this it's our deepest fear. It's that someone would really, truly know me, would know my flaws would know my struggles, would know what I've done, would know what I haven't done, and not love me, and not draw near to me, and not draw close to me. Y'all, this is why dating's hard. Marriage is even harder, just FYI. This is why friendship is hard. This is why roommates are hard, because this is our fear. Our fear is a fear of intimacy, and even if it's not a fear, we don't know how to do it very well. We don't know how to be vulnerable with each other in that way. Say, so I want you to know me, but will you please love me? I think about, man, y'all know that Mad Men's like my comfort show, and like I went through it the four, fourth time, because that's what depression looks like sometimes. You just keep watching Mad Men. But there's this one scene that always gets me that I think stuck with me particularly this last time. It's a scene, if you know the story all, Don Draper, super successful, ad man in Madison Avenue in New York, 50s, 60s, into the 70s. And there's this scene where he's a serial adulterer. He has this total secret life. He's lied about who he even is. And there's this scene where Betty, his wife, catches him in it. Like he's successfully done it for years and years and years. She finally catches him and she confronts him. And there's this scene, they're sitting down in their kitchen, at their kitchen table. Don's sort of crying and he's in shock. And Betty looks at him and she says, Don, if you were me, would you love you? If you were me, would you love you? And Don through tears says, I was surprised that you ever loved me at all. And in that moment, I think he articulates this fear. I was surprised that you ever loved me at all. And yet Jesus is saying, the father knows everything about you and he loves you. And that's why he sent his son for you. That's why Paul in Romans 8, he says this. He says this about the father. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And the idea is that the father so loved you that he gave his son. And Jesus so loved the father and so loved you that he gave his life. And there's this intimacy that the gospel brings us into of a love between father and son that is now ours because the father now loves us as he loves the son and the son loves us as he loves the father and it's a beautiful rich thing we don't not pray because we lack time or know how I think we don't pray because we are terrified of this kind of intimacy because we are terrified of it and yet, if you belong to Jesus, the good news is it's already yours. You already have it in spades. i will close with this. I don't. Um, one of the sad things that happened, I think, the last time we were together, is Toby died, and it was shocking. Um, I, I can't. Even, I mean, I can't say I was like. A, I'm not a huge NBA guy, but his death was really shocking, and it was really hard, and it was really tragic, and. I read and saw lots of things about it, but I think the most powerful one, y'all probably saw it, is they made so much of him loving being a girl dad, right? Like, he seemed to love, even if he did things that we, you know, are not okay. Toward the end of his life, he seems to have, like, really made the most of being a dad to his girls there's this one anchor on ESPN, you probably saw this, where she is talking about her one time meeting Kobe and she was pregnant and Kobe sort of stopped her and talked with her for a long time and just said, I can't wait for you to have a girl. I love being a girl dad. And she starts crying to anchor and she says, my one comforting thought in all this is that he died doing what he loved, being a girl dad. And I saw that and I thought, there's something here that connects to what we're talking about because I think when we think about Jesus And he's on the cross, and you know this, right? He's praying the Psalms. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus says he's on the cross and he's giving his life, and he's praying to the Father through the Psalms, and he gets to Psalm 22, right? He gets to that painful, dark Psalm, and it's the only time in all of his recorded prayers where he does not call God Father. He does not call him Abba. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's praying Psalm 22. And it's not because God is suddenly not his Father, He didn't lose his sonship, but it is because he is entering into the pains of hell and the pains of what sin deserves, separation and alienation. But I love this thought that he's doing it because he longs for us rebellious, wayward sinners to know what it's like to be loved by his father. And we can say Jesus died doing what he loved which is bringing you and me back to the father and a love that nothing can separate us from and a love that once you belong to Jesus is yours forever. And that kind of intimacy is the starting place of prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can call you father Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice for our sin we thank you for the love that you gave for us. And Father, the love that you gave to us in your son. And Lord, I pray, I don't know where my friends are, but Lord, I pray that you would invite us even tonight into relation, this sort of relationship with you. Show us our desperation. Bring us back to our humanity. And would you, Lord, give us what is already ours, that intimacy that is ours in the gospel. We need it. And would you begin to teach us, as you taught your disciples, what it is to have a prayer life with you? We ask these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Please stand and sing the doxology.